Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The circle of life is a concept that is meant to communicate the idea that all things in creation both receive and give life. In the movie, The Lion King, when the young lion cub Simba questions his father about hunting and killing a gazelle to eat, Mufasa points out that when he and Simba die, their bodies return to the earth and provide fertile ground in which grass will grow that will become food for future gazelles. It is, he says, the circle of life. Some would say that the circle of life symbolizes that the universe is a sacred and divine place. The story, the Lion King enters this circle at the beginning of Simba's life. Simba is a lion cub born to King Mufasa and Queen Sarabi. Confirmation is a time of learning about and exploring faith as a person discerns whether or not they will claim the Christian faith for themselves. Oftentimes during confirmation, the beginning of this movie is played for the students when we talk about baptism. The movie begins with all of the animals in the land gathering to celebrate this ritual that marks this child as the son of his father, the king. The imagery is remarkably familiar to those of us who know the biblical stories of Jesus's baptism. I want you to listen to these words again against the backdrop of one of the movie's opening images. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The beginning of Simba's life is celebrated with a holy ritual that marks and claims the child by the parent in the presence of the community that's punctuated by evidence that they are in the presence of the divine. As the heavens are torn apart and Simba is bathed in a brilliant light. I don't know about y'all, but when I see this image, I hear God's voice, boom, you are my beloved child. As a Christian, I understand baptism as a ritual in which we celebrate that God has created, claimed, and cleansed or redeemed the baptized as God's own beloved child. Baptism is a ritual that reminds us who and whose we are. And knowing who and whose we are, ideally, 
would assure us and give us wisdom and strength and courage to live our lives faithfully loving God and all that God has created. It sounds super simple, but we all know it's not that easy. I mean, the world we live in is broken, and so often are the lenses through which we see ourselves and others. So what we see is distorted because of our own sin or because of the sins of others or because of systemic or institutionalized sin, it's easy for us to forget who we are. Simba forgets who he is. His uncle Scar covets King Mufasa's throne. Scar is notably absent from the celebration of Simba's birth because in his estimation, there's nothing to celebrate. Simba for Scar is simply one more obstacle between him and the power that he longs for. So Scar plots to rid himself of both Mufasa and Simba. He engineers a stampede of wildebeests placing Simba directly in their path and alerts Mufasa so that he'll rush in to rescue Simba. Mufasa tosses Simba to safety, but as he attempts to claw himself out of the gorge, Scar, who has a grasp on Mufasa, instead of hoisting him to safety, thrusts him back into the gorge where he's killed. And then, rather than comfort Simba, Scar convinces him that it's all his fault. Oh, I know you didn't mean for it to happen, Simba, but if it weren't for you, your father would still be alive. Scar plays on Simba's guilt and convinces him to run away and never come back to avoid the anger that he says all the others will feel towards Simba. So for the next long while, Simba lives in the wilderness with Timon and Pumbaa who have befriended him, hiding from his painful past. Our scripture says that just after Jesus was baptized, the spirit drove him out into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days by Satan he wasn't hiding from a painful past, but he was facing an excruciating future. In preparation for that future, Jesus is confronted by the sin and brokenness he's come to save all of us from. If you read the stories of Jesus's temptation in the Gospels, you'll find that Satan repeatedly calls into question who Jesus is saying more than once, if you are God's son, dot, dot, dot. From a broken or sinful perspective, that is to say, when we are acting out of brokenness caused by fear or by heartache, pain, guilt, or when we're acting from a self-centered perspective, one that does not seek to do God's will, but rather to indulge our personal will, Satan points out to Jesus that as God's son, he could easily turn stones into bread to save himself from hunger. He could demonstrate strength by jumping from a great height without being harmed. 
He could acquire for himself all of the world's riches and power if only he will betray God and worship Satan instead. Each of us faces all sorts of temptations presented in any number of ways, playing on our fear or on our pain or our guilt or our own selfish desires. When this happens, the question is, do we seek our own security and wealth and power? Do we seek our own well-being? Or will we turn instead and trust in and pursue the path laid out for us by God. After Mufasa's death and Simba's disappearance, Scar becomes king of the Pride Lands, and his self-centered rule has devastated the land. The animals are hungry and under constant threat from the hyenas, longtime enemies of the Pride Lands that Scar has befriended. In a drastic attempt to find food, Nala, Simba's childhood friend, goes beyond the borders of the Pride Land to hunt, and she discovers that Simba is still alive. She's overjoyed, and she can't understand why Simba has stayed away so long when the people of the Pride Lands need him so desperately. I want you to listen as a couple of the children from our congregation describe what happens next. So Nala says that, that it's quite beautiful where they're at. And then Simba says, yeah, I know. And then Nala says, but you need to go home. And Simba's like, I can't. And then Nala's like, the land needs you. When Simba meets Rafiki, Simba asks, who are you? And Rafiki replies, who are you? That is the question. And Simba replies to that, I, I used to know who I was, but now I don't. And then Rafiki, Rafiki says, I know who you are. You're Mufasa's son. Rafiki tells Simba that his father is still alive inside him. Simba sees his father in a vision. During the vision, his father says, that Simba's forgotten who he is. That, and that means he's forgotten who his father is. Rafiki hits him on the head with a stick to teach him to learn from the past. He tries it again. Simba ducks. Remember who you are, Mufasa says to his son. Simba hears this call both outside himself from the heavens and from deep within himself. As he looks into the water and the ripples clear, he sees his father's image in his own reflection. My spiritual director likes to say to me, know God, know yourself. She can be a little bit like Yoda at times, but if you take Genesis seriously and you believe that we are created in the image of God, then knowing God is essential to knowing who we truly are. And God is infinitely creative and has lots of ways to remind us of who we are. Most often, God speaks to me through other people, like Nala and Rafiki speak to Simba. There are times 
also when I experience the powerful presence of God in what feels like a more supernatural encounter. The heavens part, a bright light illumines, offering clarity and peace. On occasion, we encounter God deep within ourselves, within our own souls. And sometimes, God just smacks me right upside the head. And Christians, as those who follow Christ, we believe that Jesus reveals who God is. So when we're struggling to remember who we are, we need only look at Jesus. Jesus, as he faces temptation in the wilderness, remains steadfast and faithful. He reminds Satan over and over again that to be God's child is to be God's, to belong to God, heart, mind, and soul. If we know ourselves as God's beloved child, we surrender our lives and our will to God in faith, trusting God to lead us and to strengthen us to do what it is that God needs for us to do, to be God's agents of salvation. In fact, when we are baptized, we promise to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, to reject the evil powers of this world, to repent of our sin. We promise to use the freedom and power that God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. We confess Jesus Christ as our Savior. We put our whole trust in him, and we promise to serve him by being his body here in this world, the church that is open to all people. Simba, no longer captive to his past or to the guilt that's paralyzed him all this time, remembers who he is. And he returns from the wilderness to the pride lands, strengthened and empowered to redeem it and the animals that live there. Y'all, we all find ourselves in the wilderness at times, driven there by any number of things, by fear, grief, guilt over our pasts, sometimes by self-serving desires or the many manifestations of temptation and sin. Right now, many of us find ourselves led into the wilderness by a pandemic. Sometimes we may even be driven there by the Spirit. But hear the good news. God reaches into our wilderness and using all of the creative and surprising means available to God, which are infinite, calls out, remember who you are. Thanks be to God. Amen.